Well, we begin a new journey together as we <clears throat> begin in the book of Hebrews this morning. And as we come to the to the book of Hebrews, it's a it's it's an exciting <clears throat> book. The prologue, which uh, the first three verses, pray as far as we'll get this morning. The prologue of the book of Hebrews is equal to the prologue of the Gospel of John. You guys know what I mean by prologue? The first few verses in the Gospel of John go like this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. We come to Hebrews chapter 1, first three verses, very, very similar, laying out for us a concept. And so when we come to the book of Hebrews, there's a few mysteries, okay? There's a few mysteries in the book of Hebrews. People are still, 2,000 years later, fighting about who wrote it. Uh, the concepts in the book of Hebrews are Pauline. You, they, they follow very similarly to, to Paul's epistles. But the writing style, the Greek, is impeccable. It's like the most perfect Greek of all the other books in the Bible. It's like this guy was was on it, who, whoever put it together, whoever wrote it. Now, Paul often wrote with an amanuensis. You guys know what that means? Like a secretary. So Paul would dictate and the secretary would write it down. And then he'd sign the epistle with my own hand, Paul, so, so people knew it came from him. But we don't have that in the book of Hebrews. So we can't definitively say it was Paul who wrote it. Um, but here's what we can say. The book of Hebrews sets apart from every other book in the in the Bible in a couple of ways. You know, we've talked a little bit about textual criticism. You guys remember we talked about that, differences between other texts. Well, the, the book of the Bible with the least is the book of Hebrews. It's just very little issues in the book of Hebrews in terms of text, what, what each text says and what it, what it puts together. And the exciting thing as we come to the book of Hebrews is the fact that the topic is the Messiah. It's written to the Hebrews. So whoever put it together, whether it's a, 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 a message that Paul preached, <coughs> something Apollo said, really doesn't make any difference. The message is to the Hebrew believers uh, talking about the excellency of Christ. And why it is that Jesus Christ is above every name that shall be named. Doesn't that sound familiar? Paul said in, in Philippians that the name of Jesus Christ, how many knees will bow? And so every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So everyone will bow the knee before him. So let's look at it. Let's begin our journey and, and hopefully we get past the first word. I, I heard lots of jokes today. Uh, I don't even remember what book it was. Was it Romans? I started a book and I only did the first word one time. So I got to take, every once in a while I got to take a brow beating for, a, I only made it through the first word. I promise we'll get two words at least. So let's take a look. Hebrews 1.1 1, 1. says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past, to the fathers by the prophets. So let's pause and take our time. One of the exciting things on Tuesday night, we have a, a study called uh, um, Living by the Book, which basically teaches people how to study the Bible. And one of the key things about studying the Bible is a simple 
idea. Slow down. We are in such a hurry. We, we're, we're trying to read it like we're reading some incredible book, you know, and we want to hurry up and get to the end. But that's not how you read the Bible. How we read the Bible? Slow down. Chew on it. Meditate, the psalmist said. Think about what just happened. <clears throat> What's being spoken of? As we look at this section, these really these first three verses, four uh, uh, um in English, we're just one sentence. We're a constant flow as we work our way through. And what is it that he's telling us? What he's telling us is something we need to hold on to. The first thing I want you to grasp from Hebrews 1, 1 is God spoke. Look, the only way creation would ever know anything about God is if God condescended to man. So we weren't going to find him on our own. God had to speak. God had to tell us. God had to reach to us. Now, if we're honest, most of us at one time or another in our life have, have longed for God to speak to us. Tell me, Lord. Just tell me in my ear. What am I supposed to do? Go right or go left? And when we look at Hebrews chapter 1, there's a lot of things that we want to glean from that ideal. First thing that we want to know is that God is communicative. That means God wants to speak. That God has spoken. He, he lays it out for us right in the beginning. Now who in this first verse had God spoken to? It says he's spoken to the fathers. Right? He had spoken to the fathers. <coughs> Past tense, God spoke who were the fathers? Well, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs. How about all the ancestors who went before? Anyone who ever received a word from the Lord, God spoke to them. The Old Testament is full of what? Prophets that what happened? God spoke to. People that God reached out to. The means. How did he speak to them? He spoke to them through the prophets. David, the Bible says, a prophet. Moses, the Bible says, a prophet. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. God spoke. He brought his word so that people could hear what God was saying. But he brought it. He had a way that he did it. The way he did it was through the prophet. The prophet spoke. Here's one of the things that you want to also hold on to. Not only did God speak, not only was God communicative, but God didn't talk to everybody. Any more than God talks to everybody today. God spoke through particular vehicles to bring God. There was tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of Jews uh, around Israel, Jerusalem at the time when the Old Testament was coming forth as Moses was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. But God spoke through a few of them to bring His Word to the people. That was the means, the method. But here's what we also want to understand. <clears throat> the manner that He did it was He did it at various times and in various ways. Right? He didn't always do it the same. He didn't always do it the same. Various times, various ways. It means that God used a lot of different methods. For example, you sit down and you think, man, I really want to hear from the Lord today. And you open up the Old Testament and you read the, the book of Leviticus. For some of you, God's really going to speak to you through the book of Leviticus. For others, 
you, you're, you're going to feel like you're banging your head against the wall. Like, I, I don't really understand what he's saying. Somebody else might say, man, I was, I was reading Ezekiel and the Word of God really came alive. But somebody else might say, you know, I was going through the Psalms. What's the important thing that God's telling us? Look, there's a lot of ways, a lot of guys, a lot of styles, a lot of different ways that I brought my Word to the multitudes. Various times, various ways. God didn't do it all at once, right? God's revelation began, had a beginning, and it has an end. God has laid that out. So God is communicative. God wants to speak. God chose vehicles through which He was going to bring His Word to you and I. We're going to see that in a moment. He had a, a, a vehicles through which He was going to bring His Word to us. <clears throat> he brought it. He's brought it in a lot of different ways so that we can hear from Him. So that we can understand what He has for us. Look at verse 2. So how does God speak today? God, same subject of this sentence, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. Who being in the brightness of His glory and the expressed image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Now, as we work our way through the book of Hebrews, you're going to see a continuous comparison and contrast being made. What comparison and contrast is he making between verse 1 and verse 2? He's given us some comparisons, some things, some contrasts that we can see. For example, in times... Of old, he spoke how? Through the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us how? Through his son. He, he used to speak through the prophet, but now he has spoken through his son. Look, what he's telling us is everything that God wants to reveal about himself, he has revealed already in Jesus Christ. That the only begotten, which monogamous, that's the word from which we get that phrase, only begotten. Doesn't mean the only one born or the firstborn. Monogamous means the one and only. He's the one and only. The one and only. There's no, nobody else like him. There's nothing else <coughs> out there like him. The one and only. Jesus Christ, in the bosom of the Father, He has declared the Father to us. Jesus shows us who God is. If you will, and the, the Bible tells us there is uh, uh, one God, one Yahweh. Sometimes we got to use other terms to help us wrap our mind around what's going on. There's one Yahweh. But He's expressed to us in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And how we know the Father is through the Son. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. God we can see. God we can touch. God we can hear. He has become God's final word of revelation to mankind. Now, just 
as you're chewing on it, rattling around in your head, pause. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. God's final thing that He has to say. Who is that Word? Revelation chapter 19 tells us God the Word is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He has a name written on Him. The Word of God. That makes it pretty simple, right? King of Kings. Lord of Lords. So we see that, that in the past, so there's two phases of God's revelation. There's a phase of revelation where God brought His revelation through the prophets. And then there's a phase of revelation where His emphasis is the Son. That doesn't mean God didn't use people. God used apostles. But that's not what He's telling us here. He's saying He used to do it through the prophet, but now something better. You have the Son. Before you had the prophet, now you have the Son. He's not just a prophet, not just a good teacher. He's so much more than that. He's more excellent than the prophets, Hebrews is going to tell us. He's more excellent than the angels. In fact, God tells all the angels of heaven to worship the Son. Now, to whom has He ever said that? In fact, God's very clear. You're only supposed to worship who? Yahweh. Only worship Yahweh. So who's Jesus? Yahweh. Who's the Father? Yahweh. Who's the Spirit? Yahweh. There's one Yahweh. Eternally existent. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see the deity of Jesus Christ here. So the point is, when we look at the Old Testament prophets, how did they tell us God had something for us? They would say, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Or thus saith the Lord. Right? But you look through the Gospels. Jesus never said that. Jesus said, you've heard it said, but I say to you. Man, that's a whole nother revelation. And that is what Hebrews is telling us. Look, man, in the old days, God spoke through his prophet and, and we got the word from the prophet. But now he has delivered it to us through his son. So if we want to know who God is, what God's like, what God's looking for in our life, we find it all wrapped up for us in his son, Jesus Christ. He's more excellent. He's, he's more awesome. He's greater than all of that. Now think about it. In these last days, who has He spoken to? He's spoken through His Son to who? Look what it says. To us. He spoke to us. The writer of Hebrews is saying, man, this message is now for everyone. It's for all. It's for whosoever can hear, whosoever will look, whosoever wants to receive what it is that God has. That's the people. The process, He's delivering it to us through His Son. Everything that God has to say, and to you and I, to us, it is for us, through us, <coughs> unto us, He lays it out. So then we see, right then, He says, okay, so here's your comparison. Prophets of old, God spoke through. Now, it comes through His Son. In the old days, it was to the fathers, but now, it's to us all. You with me? Are we tracking? So as we work our way through the concept, man, we want to be able to really glean. So let's look again. God, who at various times, in various ways, He spoke in time past <clears throat> to the fathers, our ancestors by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us, you and I, 
by His Son. And now, He's going to tell us, why is Jesus Christ more excellent than the prophets, than the angels, and than anyone else? And depending on how you read the Greek, you have six or eight uh, clauses put together here. Really doesn't matter how we count them. We're going to look at them one at a time and say, what is it that He's saying about His Son, Jesus Christ? What is He Telling us. So he begins in the first one, he shows us that the wealth of all his possessions. What's he say? He is the heir of all things. He is the heir of all things. It says, uh, the, in these last days he's spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things. Every time <coughs> that the Bible calls Jesus the Son of God, it never calls him It never uses a word for little born one. It never uses words like we would use for children. The word that it uses is the word huios. Huios is the word from which we get the the idea heir. He's the heir. He's the heir. When it says the son of God, it's what he's talking about. He is the heir. The heir of what? How much is he the heir of? So is there something left out of all? So usually when we talk about all, that's what we mean, right? So he's the heir of all things. Now why is that important? Well, if Jesus is the heir of all things, when he says, peace I give to you, does he really have it to give? Yeah, because he's the heir of how much? What if Jesus says, the meek will inherit the earth? Is it his to give? Because he's the heir of what? All things. It's all his. It all belongs to him. So it's laying out for us right here that the Father has given into the hands of the Son that He, not only is it His, but He has authority to do what He's going to do with it. So let's, let's hold on to that. Let's look at what the Word of God tells us. Does that, does that fall in line with what the Word teaches us? Philippians chapter 2, we just quoted it a moment ago in verse 9. It says, Therefore God also has highly exalted Him. We're talking about Jesus Christ. Earlier we talked about let the mind of Christ be in you. You know what I'm talking about? So he says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name, the name which is above how many names? Yeah, so he's, he has a name above every name. So is there a name higher than Jesus? Nope. It's it, right? The top name is Jesus. That's an important thing to kind of wrap your mind around. Who is this Jesus? He's been exalted above every name that can be named. That at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. Of those where? In heaven and on the earth. How many people are going to bow? Everybody's going to bow? What about, what about the, the, the beings in heaven? Are they going to bow? That's what the word says, right? Every knee will bow. Of those in heaven and those on the earth. And every tongue will confess. That word confess is homologeo. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Homologeo means they will say the same about Him. They will, they will properly describe who He is. How is that described? He is Kyrios, Lord. Kyrios in the, in the New Testament, the word Lord, is synonymous in the Old Testament with the word Yahweh. 
Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Yahweh. He is Lord. He's God in the flesh. That's what Hebrews, the writer, is talking about. That's what John told us in John 1 through 3. Is there some other way to say that the, that the word was God? Yeah, we got to mess with it to make it do something else, right? We got to turn it upside down and, and put it on its ear. But what the word of God is clearly saying, <clears throat> Jesus owns it all and he has authority over it all. Every knee will bow. Let's think about Daniel. We just did Daniel a little while ago. Daniel chapter 7 verse 13 says, I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds. He came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. What are we looking at? Remember Daniel 7, we talked about it. What do we see? We're, we're seeing the heavenly view of the ascension of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ ascended, you guys remember, right? The Bible says, from earth the disciples looked up and Jesus was taken up into heaven. Daniel chapter 7, 13 and 14 is a heavenly view. Looking at him as he comes up. He comes to the ancient of days. You see the Son coming to the Father. You're watching Jesus Christ come to his throne. And what does the Father say? What did he give him? Everything. He gave to him dominion and glory and a kingdom. Now that, those are important things. And we don't really have time to unpack it all. But let me tell you, the Bible tells us, God said, I will not share my glory with anybody. Yahweh said, I won't share my glory. But here it says to Jesus Christ, he's given him dominion and glory and a kingdom. What's the kingdom called? The kingdom of God. What's the glory? The glory of God. Why? Because Jesus Christ is Yahweh. He ascends to the Father. The Father says, right here's your throne. And when has God ever set somebody else on his throne? Never. This is God, the Son, sitting on the throne, given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all people, how many people? All people. How many nations? All nations. How many languages? All languages would serve Him. His dominion is everlasting. How, how long is that? Forever. Oh, good. You guys are with me. Which shall not pass away. Just in case you didn't know forever lasted a long time. Shall not pass away. And His kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. The Father says, I have appointed Him as heir. He gets it all. And you know the Bible tells us what He does with it? At the culmination of the end of days, Jesus takes everything and He brings it all together and lays it before the feet of the Father. Redeemed. There it is. Creation's redeemed. The nation's redeemed. Mankind redeemed. He gets it all, brings it before His Father. This is the purpose for which He's come. So, the first clause, the first thing we see, He's the heir of all things. Alright? Second clause. Through whom He goes back to God, through whom God made the worlds. So who did God make the worlds through? Jesus. God made the world through Jesus. Man, the scripture talks about that 
everywhere. For example, we just looked at the, 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 the prologue of John. You with me? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. How many things? All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. So is anything made that Jesus didn't make? No. So everything that's made, Jesus made. So that means Jesus is not created. It means Jesus is eternal. Because everything that was made, everything that had a beginning, Jesus made. That's what John 1, 1 through 3 says. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Listen to this. It says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist, and one Lord... Kyrios, remember I told you that points back to Yahweh. One Kyrios, one Lord, <coughs> Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. Now just hold on to that concept. When we, when we were looking at Hebrews, what did it say? Through whom also God made the world. The Father made the world through the Son. The Father decreed, let there be... And the Son made it happen. The Father decreed. The Son did it. God spoke. Jesus moved. And the, everything that was created was created. Through Christ are all things. And through Christ you and I exist. All things. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. Says he, speaking of Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. What does the Bible say? Has anyone seen God at any time? Speaking of the Father, nobody has seen the Father at any time. But if we see God, what do we see? The Son, Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the image, the part we see. We can see God when we see the Son. When we see the Son. Otherwise, the Father, He's invisible. (coughs) He's the... Firstborn over all creation. It says, over all. Firstborn over all. The word firstborn is prototokos. Doesn't mean the firstborn born. It means he's the preeminent. He's the most important thing over all creation. Why? Because he's the one that made all creation. Why else? Because in him, all creation exists. In other words, if Jesus says that's it, what happens? It all rolls up like a scroll and it's done. So it's in existence because Jesus Christ is holding it together. Why? Look at verse 16. For by Him, how many things were created? All things. That's not complicated, right? All means all. Wow, that's pretty easy. So by Him, all things were created. What's the next phrase? In heaven and on earth. So that pretty much covers all things, right? Everything in heaven and on earth will everything visible and invisible. So just in case you say, no, no, Jesus only created all the visible things. Well, Colossians says he created all the invisible things too. All the things you can see, all the things you can't see. Whether it is a throne or dominion or ruler or authority. Those are like levels of angelic beings. No matter what level, no matter what place, no matter where it happened, all things in heaven and on earth, Jesus Christ put together. He created. 
And then just to tap it off for us so we don't lose the fact that he's talking about all things. He says, all things were created through him. And what's the next one? For him. Wow. So that's pretty exalted. Jesus Christ said, you know, I must be lifted up. But he also said, if I am lifted up, what he promised, I will draw all men to myself. If I'm exalted, if people have a proper view of who Jesus Christ is, he says, I'll bring you in. I'll bring you into the family. If Jesus Christ is lifted up, where was he lifted up? Where was he exalted? At the cross. We look to the cross of Jesus Christ who died for my sins to save me from the wrath of God. Jesus Christ bearing that wrath and put me in a right relationship with God so that I can know God through his son. That's how we get there. That's how it happens. God the Son reveals us, shows us, delivers us to God the Father. So two things. We've seen that He is the heir of all things and He's the creator of all things. Before I leave that concept, let me give you a a little nugget on the worlds. It's not the word for worlds there is eon. It's not cosmos. So if it was... I'm not saying he didn't create the cosmos. I'm saying that's not the emphasis. The emphasis is eons. Eons means time. Yeah, he's the creator of all time. All time. The whole thing come together when God said, let there be. And so immediately he becomes the author of the ages. The creator of the ages. The creator of the cosmos. The creator of everything possible and impossible. All things are created by him. So <clears throat> we see it in the wealth of his possessions. He's the heir of all things. We see it in his wonder of his providence. Which means he is the creator of all things. We also see it in the worthiness of his person. Look at the next phrase. The very next thing we're going to look at it says. Who being... The brightness of His glory. Okay, we are speaking in being, uh, metaphysically. He is the being of the brightness of His glory. Okay, the subject that we're talking about is still God. Who is the very being of His brightness, of His glory? The Son is. What is the what is the glory of God? The glory of God is a is a is a wow, they ran away. The glory of God is like the the outward imaging of of light, right? The Bible tells in Revelation we won't need a sun, we won't need stars, we won't need moon. Why? Because the Lord is the light. The Lord is the light. He is He is the radiance. And then here in Hebrews the Bible says, Well, what is that radiance? It's Jesus. He is the being of the radiance of God. He is the glory of God. The glory of God. He's the kabod. The weight. He's the shekinah. The glory. The weight and the glory. He is all of that being expressed by Holy God. Going out forth from the Father. That is the Son. He is the, the expressed uh, um, 
glory, who being the brightness of His glory. Now in the Greek, His glory, right between His and glory, is a definite article. Meaning we're talking about that glory that comes radiating from God. That glory is Jesus Christ. He is light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, right? He is light from light. He's not some emanation of that light. He is the light of God from God. He is light from light. He is the radiance. He is the radiance of God. Radiating the glory of God. But that's not all. Think about what the scripture tells us. Matthew 17, 2. We see that that the, the Lord took his disciples onto a mountain. You remember? And the Bible says that he was transfigured before them. What does that mean? That means that Jesus parted the veil of his flesh. He parted the veil of his flesh and let what out? The light. That radiance. The same radiance that Yahweh has. The same radiance of the Father. In fact, when they described it to him in Matthew uh, 17, verse 2, it says, He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like what? The sun. His face shone like the sun radiating the glory of God coming through him. His clothes became as white as light. So you have this incredible radiation of the glory of God seen in Jesus Christ. What did Hebrews say? That's who he is, man. He's the radiance of God. He's the radiance of God. He's the final word God has to say. He's the word of God. He's the radiance of God, the light He's the wisdom of God. He said, I don't know if there's anything that you could say of God that He isn't. He is that expressed so that we can know God, so that we can see God, so that we can understand Him. In fact, 2 Peter 1.16, Peter, speaking of the transfiguration, said this, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. What's he talking about? Man, I seen the light come shining out of Him. I saw the radiance of God emanating forth from Jesus Christ. What's the writer of Hebrews saying? Man, Jesus Christ is more excellent than everything. He's more excellent than the prophets. In fact, He's God's final word. And in Him we can know the unknowable God. In Jesus Christ we can see the invisible God. In Jesus Christ, we can make that connection. We need to understand. So not only do we have His radiance, but then we have His representation. Look at the next phrase. He is also the expressed image of His person. The expressed image. Let me speak that sentence in Greek. You don't mind, right? I'm going to say it to you in Greek. And you know what? I bet you can still understand it. We'll do a little experiment. Alright, you ready? He is the express character of his person. You guys understood it? Yeah, because the word character is the Greek word for image. He's the character. He is the exact representation of Yahweh. In fact, the word of his being is hypostasis auto. Hypostasis auto means the substantial nature, essence, actual being, or reality. So he is 
the exact character of God. You want to know the Father, you want to know the unknowable God, you must know the Son. Jesus said you can't know the Father unless you know the Son. Can't have one without the other. Because the only way to know Him is because God spoke through the Son. The last thing God had to say about who He is and what He expects of you and I, He expressed through His Son. So if we want to know what God wants, we've got to go to the Son. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except how? Through me. We have to know the Son in order to know the Father. That's why when people take the reality of who Jesus is and they tweak it somehow, that everybody gets out of joint. Why do they get out of joint? You're changing the image of God. You're changing the expression of God. You've taken God's final word through His Son, and you've taken that Son and, you, and you've twisted it somehow. You said, no, 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 it's not really true. He's an angel. Oh, no, 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 that's not really true. He's the brother of Lucifer. Oh, no, 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 let me take God's final word of His Son and twist it. And once I've done that, you no longer are looking at an accurate representation of Yahweh. You're not looking at an accurate representation of the character of God. And through that son, through that person, whatever you call him, you can't find the Father. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. It's got to be the true Jesus, not some other Jesus. Not some, it just doesn't, doesn't matter. What do you mean it doesn't matter? Oh, okay. I'm going to go out here, and I'm going to turn left on Broadway... And I'm going to follow Highway 30 to Hagerman to get to Twin Falls. And you say, no, you're not. And I say, oh, yeah, I am. I can do it any way I want. And you say, no, you can't. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to say that that goes there, and so it goes there. Now, how, where in, in life, where does that ever work? I'm going to get on a plane to Hawaii in order to get to Hong Kong. No, you're not. No, yeah, really. I'm going to go. Now, maybe you'd rather be in Hawaii than Hong Kong. But I don't know. But you got to get on the plane going to the right place, don't you? you got to get on the road going to the right destination, don't you? So who Jesus Christ is, is of great importance, isn't it? And what should be our ultimate reality through which we decide who Jesus Christ is? How about the Word of God? Who in times past spoke to us through the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us through His Son. You've got to have the Son. You've got to have the Son. Psalm 2 says, kiss the Son. It's through the Son. We've got to know the Son. That's why that's so vital. And so if I'm the devil and I want to get a bunch of people sideways and, and have them on the wrong planes and wrong roads, what's a great way to do it? Oh, let's confuse the character of Jesus Christ. Let's confuse who he is. Islam was more than happy to say, Jesus, bless his name, what a great prophet. Whoops, you're on the wrong plane. That plane don't go where you're trying to get. It don't go there. We have to know, homo legale, we have to know the truth, the real uh, character and content of who Christ is. Who is he? The heir of all things. Who is he? The one who created all the worlds. Who is he? The radiance of Yahweh. Who is he? The exact character of God. 
Man, that's, that's <coughs> pretty important things to be able to, to have together, to understand. Think about what Philip said to Jesus. John 14, verse 8 and 9. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it will be sufficient. You remember what Jesus said? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What? You understand what he just said? Philip, if you've seen me, have I been with you so long and you say, show us the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus Christ, God's last word. He's used to speak through the prophets. Now, he's speaking through his son. God's final word. Who is his son? He's the heir of all things. Who is his son? The creator of everything. Who is his son? The radiance, the glory of Almighty God. Who is his son? The exact character of Almighty God. This is all in the first couple of verses here in Hebrews. Where else do we see? What's the next clause we come to? Let's look at the next clause. It's seen in the word of his power. Look at this next phrase. And upholding all things. How many things? Oh, so is that most stuff? So we, we, everybody's with me that all is all? <clears throat> it's kind of important. So there's a lot of confusion sometimes overall. I, I can make it confusing too, but you have to come to the school of ministry to hear that part. So, <clears throat> upholding all things by the word of his power. He is upholding all things by the word of his power. So how is it that this whole world keeps going? How come it doesn't just fall apart tomorrow? Because God's upholding it. Jesus Christ is holding it up. Why is our nation still here? Because we do such a great job of electing our governing officials? Why is our nation still here? Jesus holding it up. When our nation is not here anymore, why will that be? He's not holding it up no more. Think about what the Word of God says. Colossians 1.17 Right after that section we read about how Jesus created all things in heaven and on earth, right? He put it all together, thrones, dominions. And then it says in verse 17, He is before all things. That means His preeminence. He is preeminent before everything. What's the most important being in all of creation? What's the name above every name? Jesus, right? Jesus. He's before all things. And in Him, all things consist. In Christ... He's holding it all together. That's what the Bible says. What did Hebrews, how did Hebrews say it? He's upholding it by the word of his, of the word of his power. What's the Bible say? God said, let there be, and it was. Jesus is Yahweh, man. Jesus is God. Jesus is the expression of the Father. It's incredible. We've got to have the right person. We've got to have the right mindset of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. And so we can see it because he's the heir of all things. He's the creator of all things. He's the radiance of the glory of God. He's the exact character of God. And he's the one who, by his word, everything keeps going. And the Bible says one day, that's all going to stop. Because he's going to say, that's it. Peter writes and he says, all of the heavens are going to roll up like a scroll. And everything will melt with a fervent heat. Because Jesus lets it go. I'm always blown away at the, the 
idiocy of mankind. And, and I, am not, I, I include myself, by the way, in the idiocy of mankind. So, I'm in there. When we set off the first atomic bomb, they didn't know if it was going to stop. They did not know if the chemical reaction caused by the splitting of the atom was ever going to stop. You ever pause to think about the fact that they set it off anyway? Like, what do you mean you didn't know? No, we didn't know until we did it, and it stopped. And they think somehow they're the smart ones. Look, I'm telling you right now, if Jesus wasn't holding it together, it might have just kept going. And all melted right then. But Jesus is holding it together, and you don't get to go any further than what he lets you go. He's got it in his hand, right? He's holding it together in his hand. What else? It's seen in the work of his purging. Look at the next phrase. Not only upholding all things by the word of his power, but when he had by himself done what? Purged our sin. When he had by himself. Yeah, Jesus Christ. He washes us white as snow, right? In his blood. In his, he saves us from the wrath of God. Don't lose sight of that. Because God hates sin. And apart from Jesus Christ and faith in him, we face the wrath of God. But the Bible says that we are not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. He saves. Just a little bit? Nope. What did it say right here, man? This is all past tense. It says, and he had by himself purged, past tense, our sin. It's done. When Jesus said at the cross, it is finished, it wasn't like, I almost got it all. <laughs> right? That's what they should put on every laundry detergent that we do laundry with. <laughs> Don't call it all. That's a lie. You can call it almost all. But you can't call it all. Because I don't know what I do. I go, I go buy... A, this has nothing to do with anything. I should stop. <laughs> I go get a Carhartt t-shirt. I love Carhartt t-shirts. Why? Because I'm fat. <laughs> and Carhartt t-shirts are the only t-shirts on earth that you put them in a washing machine and they come out the same size when you put them in. Okay? Everything else, I don't even know what size to buy anymore. It's like, I, give me 6X. And I put it in the washing machine and it comes out, you know, a medium. Like... <laughs> Well, it's just so frustrating. Anyway, so I buy Carhartts. Now, one, I like Carhartts. Two, I like Juanitas. <laughs> so I don't know what happens, but somehow those two cause me to have about on the same place, every t-shirt, a stupid round grease spot. <laughs> and I've used every detergent known to mankind, and they don't do it. I finally found a secret. You're so smart. You know who told me? Amanda told me. She said, put Don on it. You put Don on it? So Don is like Jesus. Hey, he gets all the stain. 
it all comes out, right? For our sins were as scarlet, but He has made us what? White as snow. Who did it? Jesus did it. Did He need anybody else's help? No. How did He do it? All by Himself. That's what it says, right? Who by Himself purged our sins. So not only is the heir of all things, the creator of all things, the radiance of the glory of God, the exact character of who God is, He is also upholding everything, holding everything together by the word of His power, and He by Himself purged our sin. Far as the east is from the west, He has removed, that, removed from us that sin. 1 John 1.7 says, If we walk in the light like He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The only one way to be saved, man. Only one way. Bow the knee to Jesus Christ. Receive Him as Lord and Savior. Repent. Acknowledge. I'm a sinner. I got a stain I can't get out. And Jesus Christ is the answer, the solution the one who puts it all together. The last thing we see, guys, is his preeminence. What does it say? He sat down. What did he do? He sat down. What does that mean? When do you sit down? When you're done, right? If you ain't done, do you sit down? Nope. If you're not done, you keep going. But if you're done, you sit down. His preeminence is seen, what, in his accomplishment? First, he sat down. It is finished. It's clean. It's washed. It's good. He has accomplished it. And then we see his authority. Where is he sat down? At the right hand of majesty on high. At the right hand of the Father sits the Son. At the right hand of the Father. We go through the book of Revelation on Wednesday, so you guys are all welcome to come. But we're, we're, we, we, oh, we made it on a cha- all the way to chapter 2 last time. So we're on chapter 2. So you haven't missed too much yet. But as we work our way through, we're going to several times see vision of the throne of God in heaven. And the, you're not going to have, you're going to have a hard time comprehending what's going on on the throne because it's described all these crazy ways, like light. And, and green emeralds and stones. But you know when you come to the throne that you're going to be able to understand who's on it? It says this. And in the midst of the throne was a lamb as though it had been slain. Oh, you know who that is, huh? That's not hard to see. Why? Because God's last word of who he is, is what? His son, Jesus Christ. We may struggle with contemplating and putting together the idea of how God works and how all these pieces fit. But you know what I don't struggle with? Who the Son is. Because that's God's final word to me. Look, Jackie, you want to know me? This is how you know me. Through the Son. Jackie, you want to come to me? This is how you come to me. How? Through the Son. All through the Son. He has sat down, work is finished, at the right hand of God in heaven, on the thrones in heaven. There are three scriptures that talk about this in the Old Testament. Beautiful pictures that we're going to get into next week, but I'm going to share it with you right now. First one, Psalm 110.1. You saw them earlier. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool. That's what the Ancient of Days said to the Son of Man when he ascended and sat on the throne, then God said to God, 
sit here till I make your enemies a footstool. We'll see that next week when we come together. Psalm 2, verse 7 to 9. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. You are my son. Today I have begotten Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. And the ends of the earth, all of the earth for your possession. And you shall break them with a rod of iron. How is it that he's going to rule the world? Rod of iron means no more injustice. Did you get kind of ripped off by all the injustice in the world? This is the majesty sitting on the right hand of the Father. Daniel chapter 7. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming in the clouds. He said to the Ancient of Days, they brought him near before him, and they said to him, And to him was given dominion, glory, a kingdom, peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting, it shall not pass away. His kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Yeah, that's the throne Jesus is sitting on. All of those things are descriptions, reflections, perfect representation of who the Father is. Seen in his Son. He's at the right hand. What is it that he does at the right hand? He's sitting at the right hand and he lives forever to do what? Make intercession for us. Isn't it good to know Jesus is praying for you? You might say, you know, I don't know if Jackie's praying for me. My life keeps getting worse. I'll do you one better. Not only is Jackie praying for you, but Jesus is too. And if your life is getting worse, guess what that means? It's supposed to. Oh. Oh, look at, I, I, people think I'm a pessimist. I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist. There's a difference. That's why when somebody comes to me and says, man, Jackie, life's so hard. I said, listen, it's always darkest right before it goes totally black. (laughs) And then part two is, and if you see a light coming, it's a train. Get out. Look, if life gets hard and we go through struggles, that's, that's God working in our life. If you are someone who is a child of God, you've given your life to Jesus Christ. You submit yourself to Him. He's your King. He's your God and Savior. And life gets hard, you're on the journey that God has for you to develop the character you need to be, the man, woman, boy, or girl that God needs you to be. And the good news is, Jesus says, you're not doing it alone. I'm with you. I will give you the strength you need for the next corner, the next corner, the next issue, the next thing. I'll give you the strength. You just hold fast to me. And what happens is, we start to lose sight of the fact that God is the center. And we put ourselves there. And now we start thinking, God, it's not fair. We mean it ain't fair. What's that got to do with anything? That was lesson number one when I was in kindergarten. And I wanted the scissors that little Johnny stole from me. And the teacher just wanted everybody to be quiet. Life's not fair. It's not about fair. What's it about? Glorifying God. Honoring Him. Finding our joy and peace in Jesus Christ. So what is it that He does for us? Who can condemn you? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen 
and is at the right hand of God making intercession for us. Hebrews 7.24 But he, because he continues forever, <coughs> has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore he is able to save to the uttermost. That means he don't get you mostly clean. He gets you how much? All the way clean. He gets you all the way clean. He's able to save you to the uttermost. Those who come to God, how? Through Him. There's only one way to come to God. How? Through the Son. That's it. Only one way. you got to come through Jesus Christ. And if you come through Jesus Christ, He cleans you all the way. You say, well, Jackie, I still mess up. Everybody still messes up. But you're all the way saved if you came through Jesus Christ. He don't get you halfway. He gets you all the way. He gets it. He finishes what he begins. It says he always lives to make intercession for them. Finally, 1 John 2, 1. My little children, these things I write to you, that you may not sin, but if anyone sins, we know we have an advocate next to the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Amen? Amen. Man, Jesus is amazing. Jesus is the best. Jesus is the greatest. There ain't no way to be saved except through him. And that's what the first three verses were all about. Now, I don't know how fast we'll get to the next 14, but I promise we'll start looking at them next week. But I'll tell you what it's going to show us. More of the reality that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stay with me? Let's pray.